0: Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Stephanie James. She is a transformational coach dynamic public speaker, published author, filmmaker, and psychotherapist with over 30 years experience in personal development and the mental health field. Her book, The Spark, Igniting Your Best Life, offers an excellent step-by-step guide on how to examine beliefs that don't serve us, ways to develop more authentic and rewarding relationships, including with ourselves, and how to approach each day with zest. Nominated For Fort Collins Women of the Year in 2014 and a graduate of the University of Denver, Stephanie has an unrelenting commitment to helping others ignite their best life and become the best version of themselves. Stephanie and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey, her passion for random acts of kindness, and how you can rewire yourself to experience the very best of you in 2021. Good morning, Stephanie. Happy New Year and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing great. Good morning, Johnny. So great to be here with you.
0: Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. The spark igniting your best life is extremely insightful with tremendous amount of techniques and tools and yet an easy read, I might add. Thank you for taking the time to compose such a heartfelt book. Congratulations on its release.
1: Oh, thank you so much. You know, Johnny, that was really, that was my intent is we didn't need another book that was full of jargon. We needed something <laughs> that was really accessible so that, that people could, you know, no matter what walk of life you're from, that you could pick up this book and you mm-hmm. could use the, the techniques and tools to help improve your life. So mm-hmm. thank you for that.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And we do have the whole aisle, by the way.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I'll I'll tell you, Johnny, I, I actually, I was one of those really blessed people who for the first 13 years of my life, I really had an amazing childhood. I had a wonderful close-knit family and really everything was so great. As I said, for, for 13 years, I was totally a daddy's girl. I would follow my dad around everywhere. I was his constant little shadow. So, If he was out raking leaves or going to his office or working on his workbench, I'd be right there with him. And unfortunately, at age 13, literally in a moment, that beautiful childhood was completely shattered and irreversibly broken in a night where in the middle of the night, uh, my brother and I were woken up to the sound of screeching tires going down the driveway. And as we looked from my second floor bedroom window, we saw my mom screeching down the driveway and my father jumping on the hood of the car and pounding on the windshield. And unbeknownst to us, my father had just told my mother that he was having an affair with my best friend's mom. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were this family that was absolutely by all, you know, outward showing absolutely close, absolutely happy. We never saw our parents fight. And so what ended up happening, and I think it's important to understand this this part of my history because the spark and everything that's come from it actually came out of a lot of personal challenges and things that I had to face at a really young age. When I moved in, um, it was very natural for me when my parents divorced my mother, who I absolutely love and adore, and is one of my very best friends, at the time she was going you know, through this horrible place of being in love with someone for 18 years and then having all of that shattered. And so she was really struggling, and so it was natural for me to move in with my father. What ended up happening is my father and stepmother really decided that how close my dad and I were, wasn't going to be okay in this new situation. Mm -hmm. And so it literally became where I wasn't allowed to talk to my father anymore alone. I wasn't allowed to be with him alone. And to this day, I'm still not allowed to speak with him on the phone alone. So when I moved back in with my mom at 16, my father didn't speak to me for a year. And what came out of that, Johnny, was literally a place where i i felt like man I'm, i must not be lovable there must be something wrong with me that that my father would reject me and so it wasn't until i really was at this seminar in san francisco that i was walking in and the presenter dr jaffe i'll never forget this um, during the middle of the presentation Stops and he says, Hey, you in the blue coat, I have a message for you. And I kind of looked around. I was looking at, you know, other people thinking, Mm -hmm. I hope someone else has a blue coat on. And then I realized, Oh, it's me. And he said, I have a message for you. And, you know, I'm like, Okay. And then when he started to say it, I couldn't hear him. It was like I was blocked. My ears couldn't hear what he was saying. And everybody Mm kind of starts laughing. And then he said, Okay this is my message for you. And right when he said, he tried to say the message again, all of the air conditioning units came on in the facility and nobody (laughs) could hear what he said. So then everybody's just laughing. He says, come up on stage, come up here. And he said, my dear, this is such a hard message for you to get. What I'm trying to tell you is this, stop trying, stop trying. He said, you know, you've been trying to be perfect for your father your whole life, and now you're trying to be perfect in your life. Stop trying. And that was such a powerful moment for me because I thought that I had to earn love. I thought I had to be something or be successful or do something in order to be loved. And it was a pivotal moment for me when I realized I don't have to earn love. I have to just be it.
2: Mhm: mm-hmm. And
1: so since then, it's just been amazing how my life has taken off. I've just been so blessed to be able to have the amazing I have an amazing soul tribe. I have amazing friends and family around me, a career that I absolutely love the book and my film that's coming out this year. So, so to be able to, to take a life that had a lot of pain, you know, I, I really believe that those challenges. And the hard times that we face can actually become the match point that ignites something within us that then becomes the gift we can share with the world.
0: Sure. That's a wonderful story. Thanks for sharing. Who were the major influences when you were growing up?
1: I would say, you know, one, one of my first influences in, in such a cool, positive way was my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. she she was one of those people that never knew a stranger. And I I come from this long line of women like that. My mother's like that too, where my grandmother, when when she was a farmer, she and my grandfather owned a sugar beet farm in Mm -hmm. Timnath, Colorado. And um, when, when she retired and became an Avon lady, she never made any money because whenever she'd go to visit someone at their home, She'd always bake them a bunt cake and probably <laughs> spent more money on the ingredients than she ever made. Um, but it was that kind of love. Like when she would find out it was someone's birthday, she was literally a master cake decorator. She would always be, you know, having people come over for dinner or, you know, be making people's occasions special. And so I really, I think from her learned this art of, service and love and just this unconditional kindness. My mother was absolutely that way as well. I'll never forget, this has been, gosh, about 28 years ago, on a train ride from Denver to Anaheim. We were going to Disney World with my then four-year-old daughter, and we couldn't find my mom for a few moments. And then there we find her in this sightseeing car, and she's sitting with this gentleman who was talking about having AIDS, And he had just, like, my mother had just befriended him and was just Mm -hmm. listening to his story. And that's who she's been in her life, you know. So I had Mm -hmm. these women that were role models of just definitely um, just this open heart, never knowing a stranger, always reaching out. And, you know, I have to say, too, my mom is one of the strongest people I know. She mm-hmm. had her own business. She owned a florist business for 33 years. And so I saw her just as the hardest worker. Um, and it was amazing watching that. And I guess, too, the the other person I'd say is my stepfather. Um, mm-hmm. he, I, I call him Pops. And mm-hmm. he, he is probably the person I can remember when I was that wounded little girl at 16 years old, Um, and going through that rejection of my father, he had just newly married my mom at 15. And he had been a bachelor his whole life. So here he was, you know, 38 years old and has these two teenage kids, my brother and I. My brother was 13. And I remember, you know, crying and really being distraught, and Pop's just sitting me on his lap and just saying, you know, I love you unconditionally. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's happening in this kind of outside world. I love you. And he has been that consistent message my whole life. Um, He also uh, was CSU women's track coach at the time. He went on to have, he had this huge 33 year in academia, but at the time he was a CSU women's track coach. And I was not a great runner. (laughs) And I remember the day I I, I went out for cross country and when they said, you're going to warm up with a three mile run. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I've only ran around the block, maybe, (laughs) you know, um, and and felt inadequate, felt like I couldn't do it. And again, it was one of those moments where Pops just really embraced me and loved me. And I was like, you don't need to do this for me. Again, it was that message of you don't need to Mm -hmm. earn love. I love you just Mm -hmm. for who you are. So, you know, those have been really great influences. And I would also have to say, too, my father, you know, those first 13 years of my life, he really did give me this wonderful love of academia and music and literature, poetry, um, theater, and You know, at one point I really did have that sense of being really loved from him and um, just really exploring all the different things in life and traveling. And so I'd have to say those those are the early and major influences of my life. Yeah.
0: Thanks for sharing. When did the reference to the unsinkable Molly Brown come about?
1: Yeah, you know, that's something my parents would call me throughout my life because
2: mm-hmm.
1: no matter what hardships that I've faced,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, I've, I've gone through divorce. I've gone through uh, my daughter struggled for 10 years with addiction. Um, I just think there's been lots of challenges. Nobody, you know, nobody comes out of, out of life unscathed. We all have these challenges that we have to face. And yet there's always been something within me. And to me, it's always been my connection with what I call the divine. Some people call their higher self or the universe Mm -hmm. um, that has been that spark within me that has continued to help me keep going no matter what. You know, I put myself through graduate school as a single mom. I have always just been really driven in my life and wanting to share whatever gifts that I have gotten, whatever mm-hmm. wisdom I've gleaned with, with all of those people around me. So it's, it's kind of that, you know, the, incredible yeah. Molly Brown was, you know, she survived <laughs> this horrific, <laughs> horrific thing. And, um, I, I feel like that's, yeah, that's it, it. To me, it's, it's, I love it. It's, it's a fitting name because that's, no matter what challenges we face in life, we can keep going. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I, it's, I look at the analogy of when I'm flying, mm-hmm. I love to be up on top of the clouds because no matter what the day looks like below, if it's storming and it's awful, when you get up above those clouds, it's always sunny. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how I think of life as well. We can keep coming back to that place that's illuminated and lit up within us.
0: Beautiful, just Beautiful. Why did you develop a passion for psychology and mental health?
1: Well, you know, I had a family that had a lot of therapists. My Mm -hmm. father and stepmother were psychologists. Also, Mm -hmm. my father began his career as an um, economics professor at CSU, Colorado State University here. Um, And I had an aunt that was... A dance and movement therapist. I had an uncle who was a family attachment therapist. I had another aunt who worked with developmentally disabled um, people. Actually, it was parents whose children were developmentally disabled and was a counselor for them. So I had a lot of those influences where it was always important to be talking about your feelings and processing what's going on in your life And so I saw examples of that everywhere. Mm
2: -hmm. So I kind of
1: had this innate passion for that. Although, you know, my first year (laughs) of college was in L.A. I went out to art school and thought I was going to be a fashion designer, or interior designer. And after a year, um, things really changed. And I, I came back here to Fort Collins. And one of my mentors also throughout my life, is a professor at CSU uh, now retired called his name is Larry Bloom. And he had just been such a positive influence on me since I was about 13 years old. And we had a conversation and i was kind of in between what do I do now? This, this scene in LA wasn't a fit and that school wasn't a fit. And he said, well, you know, you're a natural at this,
2: Mm -hmm. you
1: know, meaning psychology and, and connecting with other people. And he said, I have an advisor. Uh, I know the name of the advisor here. Why don't you go talk with her? And that day I went and did that. And the rest of that was history.
0: Very, very interesting. Because a lot of times at a young age, we decide what we want to be, right? And so things that mm-hmm. we encounter sort of help frame our mind of what we're trying to pursue. It's sort of like educating ourselves. Hmm, Why is this happening? And I want to know about it and so forth. So that's very very interesting on your end. What made you become an advanced specialist in eye movement desensitization and reprocessing (EMDR) therapy?
1: Yeah, you know that came out of a conversation with mm-hmm. my father, and that was probably 15 years ago. Um, my father and stepmother and I were on a trip together, and I'm sitting in the back seat of the car. And I had said, um, hey, Dad, what was your longest time you'd had someone as a client in therapy? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, eight years, he'd had a gentleman, and he didn't, of course, release any details about this gentleman other than um, the fact that this gentleman had been a soldier, was one of the soldiers in the Black Hawk Down incident, Mm -hmm. and had suffered horrific PTSD. So my father had seen him for eight years, basically just to keep him alive. And then my father said he had learned EMDR, and um, this man went from being someone who literally couldn't leave his house, had so much trauma that, you know, he couldn't go to the grocery store, he couldn't be at a restaurant, he couldn't, he just didn't want to be out in public, and my dad said, you know, three months later, number one, this guy wasn't his client anymore. But the bigger testament to EMDR and how it works with trauma in the brain is a year later, my father was this man's officiant in his wedding in Cancun. And so that story just struck my heart so strongly. And I was like, I have to learn how to do this. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to help people heal their brains and heal their lives in this way. So I ended up getting trained that next year in emdr and did the advanced training and for the last 14 years have been utilizing that in my private practice
0: very very interesting so how has emdr contributed to your personal growth
1: yeah that's a great question because i definitely so you know when we're in training we do emdr on each other Mm -hmm. and i um one of the things that it's really helped me with, because what's so wonderful about EMDR, you know, it's got 35 plus years of empirical research behind it. Mm-hmm. It's the protocol that the, the FBI uses for its agents that experience trauma. The military endorses it for their soldiers that have PTSD. And so what, what was one of my issues is that I had been in a horrific car wreck when I was 19. It was a rollover where I wasn't driving, and we had hit black ice, and the car rolled, 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 and landed upside down. And three of us had to go to the hospital. Well, when I had gotten out of the hospital, three days after that, I had a ticket back to L.A. to visit my friend. <laughs> and I got on that plane, and I cried the entire flight. Um, I was mm-hmm. just having so much anxiety, and it was that feeling of being out of control. And that someone else was driving. And and my joke to my friends was, you know, no matter how many times I knocked on that cockpit door, they wouldn't let me fly the plane. I don't know why. (laughs) But I, you know, I I would have a lot of anxiety if someone else was driving or if I was flying. And so when I went through that EMDR, what it does is it literally rewires and changes how a memory is held with your physiological Mm -hmm. response. So that's the anxiety. That's the body sensations. And Mm -hmm. so those become separated. And so ever, I mean, ever since then, I mean, I fly a lot. Even now I know with COVID and everything else, um, I have a long distance relationship. So when it's been safe to fly, I fly to Seattle and I Mm -hmm. love flying. I have loved flying ever since. And so it's dramatically changed my life in that way.
0: That's wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Cloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Stephanie James. She is a transformational coach, dynamic public speaker, published author, filmmaker, and psychotherapist with over 30 years' experience in personal development and the mental health field. Her book, The Spark, Igniting Your Best Life, offers an excellent step-by-step on how to examine beliefs that don't serve us, ways to develop more authentic and rewarding relationships, including with ourselves, and how to approach each day with zest nominated for Fort Collins Women of the Year in 2014 and a graduate of University of Denver, Stephanie has an unrelenting commitment to help others ignite their best lives and become the best versions of themselves. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey, her passion for random acts of kindness, and how you can rewrite yourself to experience the very best of you in 2021. Stephanie, when did you discover the spark in your life? I know you had mentioned sprinkles of it all over your life, but mm-hmm. when it truly sort of kicked in as the thing?
1: Yes. Great question. I would say that that happened about four years ago. So it's, it's mm-hmm. really, I mean, I feel like I have led this, you know, wonderfully, you know, there's been these peak moments and these beautiful moments, but I think when I started living that way fully, um, well it 's been about three and a half years ago, and that was there was a moment when my daughter actually that 's when my daughter went into treatment after ten years of addiction, mm-hmm. and I took care of her two sons at the time they were three and four years old so i guess it 's been yeah so I guess it 's been four years because my grandson is eight, and those three months you know i It it was so rough. Um, I was dealing with, of course, a lot of different emotions, finally getting to the breaking point with my daughter where we had to get her into treatment, um, and then taking care of these two little boys, working full-time, coming home. Uh, My husband at the time, it became really strained between us and ended up being the end of our marriage. Um, And there were other things going on, so I don't want to by any means blame it on my daughter's situation. Mm but this just kind of heightened it. Um, And there was a moment one night where I had been with my grandsons and trying to get them in bed because I would wake up in the morning, feed them, get them to daycare, work all day, get off work, go get them from daycare, fix them dinner, you know, give them a bath, read them stories, rub their backs till they went to bed. And then I would be just exhausted falling into sleep every night. And so there was this one night and, that first it was the first week that the boys were with me and my husband at the time had gone to a conference in San Diego and wasn't getting a hold of me that night and i had so many emotions and i just it's it's like i couldn't even cry i just felt overwhelmed at that moment and said you know what and i'm i'm talking you know to god at this point i'm talking to the divine and i'm like i surrender I just surrender all of it. It's like I've been trying to push my way and drive myself through my whole life and I just can't do it anymore. Obviously, my will and my push isn't working. So I'm just going to let it go and give it up. And it was like miracles started happening after that. Truly, I think I woke about four in the morning with a really profound sense of peace Mm -hmm. And what started happening after that, it wasn't long after that, that I was in my office with my door cracked open, I didn't have a client, and I heard a knock on the door. And in walked Chris Lamphere, who has been the producer of my show, The Spark with Stephanie James, my radio show and podcast. And he came in and said, sat down and said, Hey, Stephanie, I've been wanting to talk with you. Um, I was just wondering If you were ever interested in doing your own radio show and Johnny, the the ironic thing about Mm -hmm. this is literally three minutes before he came to my door, I was sitting there going, gosh, how do I get back into radio? I had been a guest on a radio show here in Colorado um, three or four times as kind of their Mm -hmm. local expert on mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how do I, how do I get back into radio? And with that question, question here three, three minutes later comes you know this <laughs> this person who's saying do you want to have your own radio show and so that's where the spark was ignited and from that radio show came so much because i also have people that are thought leaders in the areas of psychology spirituality science um people that are huge entrepreneurs comedians, people that really have that lit up life and are living it. And I just started just personally just expanding and growing, started writing the book. Uh, From that put on a huge seminar in, uh, it was just not last October, but the October before here in Fort Collins. And those guests from my radio show came and were the presenters and We we ended up filming a documentary, which is now my new film, soon to be released, When Sparks Ignite.
0: Wonderful. That's beautiful. Please give us a synopsis of the book.
1: Yeah. So the book is really it's, it's a guide for how you can ignite these things in your life, whether it's learning how to befriend yourself, and we all hear that expression like, oh, just love yourself, be your own best friend. But it's not about that. It's like, how do I truly show up for myself and cultivate this relationship with me? How do I earn trust with me? Uh, so it's, it start, the book starts with that and moves on to growing grit and resilience. How do we cultivate joy? How do we rev up our relationships With our partners, our friends, with ourselves, for sure, how do we do things that are going to ignite the spark in us? How can we contribute? How can we invent ourselves or reinvent ourselves as we're going through life transition? When we get to that place maybe where we just got out of school or we've just retired How do we find our voice? How do we find this new version of ourselves and become passionate about who we are, what our purpose is, what we want to contribute to the world? And so I've tried to make it, as we talked about in the beginning, really accessible. It's got my own personal stories, the experience and knowledge I've gained from 32 years in the field and wonderful guests on my show. I've got in every chapter little nuggets of their wisdom combined with the research that I have gathered over the years to truly – it's its the techniques and the tools that have worked the best that I have seen people just really take off, whether it was a transformational life coaching client or one of my psychotherapy clients – These are the things that help people really transform their lives and open things up in a whole new way so that they feel like they've got that aliveness again and they're living more fully. You know, they're doing the things that they have always wanted to do.
0: Sure. That's true. Very true. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book itself. Why is cultivating a personal relationship with ourselves critical?
1: Great question. It's, it's critical because we are the ones that have to show up for us first before we're mm-hmm. really able to fully show up for others. You know, that's we always go back to that old cliche, but it's so true when we're in the airplane and they say, put on your own oxygen mask first, and then mm-hmm. you can assist others. It's really true. And I think so many of us don't realize that we let ourselves down a lot with the promises. You know, right now people are doing lots of New Year's resolutions these promises and things that we make to ourselves and then we don't follow through. And so we have a sense of feeling let down. And so when we learn how to befriend ourselves, number one, what we're doing is we're allowing ourselves to be priority in our own lives. And what that means is it's not, it's not being selfish. It's actually just saying I'm going to carve out time for myself and show up for myself day after day and by that, I'm gaining and growing this trusting relationship for me, so I know that I've got my back. I've mm-hmm. got me. Uh, and so I think one of the, the best things we can do, what I love, is I, I use that you know relationship time for myself is my morning routine. So mm-hmm. when I wake up in the morning, I exercise, I spend time in meditation. I'm always doing gratitude journaling or just being in that place of gratitude. And what that does is not only does it prime my mind, body, and soul to have a really awesome day, wonderful day, it also, every time I do it, I keep a calendar. And instead of crossing out the day at the end of the day, I put a heart on that day so that I can look in a week and I've got this week full of hearts or at the end of the month, there's a calendar (laughs) full of hearts that's shown like, wow, I really loved myself this month. I really took care of myself this month. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, Johnny, it's like we are showing up in this place of fulfillment and we have abundance within us. It's not out of scarcity or lack that we're trying to show up and be there for others existing on fumes. Mm -hmm. And we're able to not only then enhance our own lives, but the quality of what we're giving and the way that we can enhance other people's life is so much more full. So that's, yeah, I think that's what I'm talking about when I talk about that.
0: Very interesting. So is that what you mean by our thoughts impact how we connect with ourselves and others perhaps?
1: Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. It's the content of our thoughts and Unfortunately, about 95% of our thoughts are subconscious. We don't mm-hmm. even realize what's ruling our behaviors or interactions until we take the time to dig a little bit deeper into what might be my limiting beliefs. Wow, I mm-hmm. have this behavior pattern or I have something that shows up in relationship that doesn't feel good. Instead of punishing yourself, there's, there's no need to punish ourselves. You know, it's like, oh, this is an opportunity. So I can dig a little bit deeper and figure out, okay, this is something that I really want to pay attention to so I can change this belief. Because so many of our beliefs are something that happened so long ago, and they, it just, like I said, becomes subconscious, and we're not even aware it's what's ruling the show. Mm-hmm. So once we're able to do that, we can turn it into more of a positive affirmation of what we want to believe. Because most of our beliefs, truly, they're habitual. We've, we've said it to ourselves so many times that we believe it's true, even when it's not true. You know, I think about, like, forever thought, this is way, way back, that the world was flat. Mm-hmm. People really believed that. You know, in Christopher Columbus's day, before he sailed, people really believed you could fall off the edge of the earth. Now, that wasn't the truth, you know, capital T truth, but people really believed it. And because it was, mm-hmm you know reiterated over and over again that was a widespread belief well once we found out that the world was round then everyone's belief changed so what's what's really wonderful is that we can do the same thing we can change our beliefs about ourselves and so the way that we do that is once we unearth what these negative beliefs are then Mm -hmm. we, we have the power to change them we have the power to start saying what is it that i want to believe instead and I really encourage people to do 21 to 30-day affirmation challenges where they're not only just writing out the affirmation, they're actually putting action steps behind it. Mm-hmm. So an example would be if, if, if my affirmation, if something that I really want to see about myself is that I'm healthy and fit, then it doesn't just help me if every day I say to myself, I'm healthy and fit, I'm healthy and fit, I'm healthy and fit, I'm healthy and fit. And I'm not doing any action to back that up. Mm So when I encourage people about changing our beliefs and changing our mindsets, I say, well, let's write down not only am I healthy and fit, let's write a couple steps of what I'm going to do in order for that to be a reality. And so it's I am healthy and fit and I make nutritious food choices every day and I work out 30 minutes five days a week. So when I have people do this, I have them write all of their affirmations out in the different areas of their life.
2: So mm-hmm. it might
1: look like health and fitness, career, love relationship, spiritual relationship, finances and money. So first they write out their limiting beliefs or their negative beliefs. Then we, I help them come up with, what is, what is it that you really want to believe about yourself instead? And writing that in positive present tense languaging
2: Mm -hmm. And then
1: coming up with those action steps and then having the person say those things out loud so that they are saying those things out loud every morning. That can be part of their mind priming that I was talking about earlier.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And after 21 to 30 days, those thoughts start becoming more automatic and something takes place, which is really, I love this that, We start developing something called cognitive dissonance if we do something that doesn't fit this new image of what we are stating Mm -hmm. every day out loud to ourselves. So, for example, with a health and fitness, if I'm proclaiming that I'm healthy and fit every day and I make nutritional food choices, but after 30 days try to reach for a Twinkie, there's going to be something in me that goes, hey, wait a minute that doesn't fit your image of you anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes this beautiful tool of not only correcting our thoughts, it corrects our behaviors and our beliefs. So it's one of the ways we can just make really substantial change in our lives.
0: So true, very, very true. In what way does the art of apology, as you had mentioned in the book, enrich our life and our relationship?
1: That is I think one of the most essential things that we can learn to do in relationship.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's so hard for some people to say, I'm sorry. And it was literally in an interview that I had with Harriet Lerner that really Mm -hmm. opened up this art of apology for me. And one of the things that she taught me is this thing of what does an appropriate what does a true apology sound like and so johnny i'll, I'll, I'll show you the difference okay so you can mm-hmm. kind of tell me what it, what <laughs> it feels like okay so if, if i give you an apology let's say that i said something that hurt your feelings and i just say to you well johnny i'm sorry that hurt your feelings i didn't mean to
0: mm-hmm.
1: how how does that land with you how good does that feel
0: it's okay. I mean, you acknowledge it, but I think it lacks authentic integrity.
1: Yes, exactly. And so often, that's what we do. It's, it's almost like people aren't taking responsibility. It's like, I'm sorry mm-hmm. you feel that way. doesn't say anything about what I did, my responsibility in, the, in what just happened.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it doesn't need to get into a place of self-deprecation or self-blaming. I think it's important, though, to be able to say, Johnny, I am hearing that what I said really landed poorly with you and I really hurt your feelings when I said that. You know, I was not being very conscious in choosing my words and I get how much that hurt you and I am deeply sorry for my words and I'm telling you that I am going to be more conscious in the way that I'm responding and talking with you. So I hope that you'll forgive me.
0: That one sounds good. And not only that, though, I think the latter, it's not about me anymore. It's about you.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So and hopefully it's acknowledging that I really get your feelings, that I really mm-hmm. get the hurt. And I'm owning that. Wow. You know what? I'm human and I yeah. mess up. That's correct. You know, and, and I think, you know, that's one of the things I think that's important in apology is that we don't have to be, number one, we got to get over our perfection complex. Mm -hmm. We're going to mess up. We're going to say things, no matter how wonderful we are as people and how well-intentioned we are, we all mess up. And so there's times when we do hurt the people we love the most. We say Mm -hmm. something out of a moment of not being really conscious or we're stressed and so we, we have to be able to look at those things and say, okay, this didn't make me a horrible person. You know, <laughs> this, this is, this makes me human. I, I made a mistake and I want to own that. And I really want to make a repair with you because I really care about you and I care about this relationship. Right. You know, oftentimes I think what, what happens is that people don't have at times enough sense of self. And so if they apologize, they feel like they're giving away some part of themselves like right. somehow that damages their identity. And it's like mm-hmm. when we get to the point of realizing there's no perfection in this. You know, I used, mm-hmm. to, I used to say if I had a bumper sticker, it would be life is messy. Mm-hmm. You know, life is messy. We mess up, we make mistakes, and we can move on. And right. our relationships are the most in our lives. So to keep those healthy and thriving, learning the art of apology is essential.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So true. Very, very true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixed Cloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. My guest is Stephanie James. She is a transformational coach, dynamic public speaker, published author, filmmaker and psychotherapist with over 30 years' experience in personal development and the mental health field. Her book, The Spark, Igniting Your Best Life, offers an excellent step-by-step on how to examine beliefs that don't serve us, ways to develop more authentic and rewarding relationships, including with ourselves, and how to approach everyday with zest. Nominated for Fort Collins Women of the Year in 2014 and a graduate of the University of Denver, Stephanie has an unrelenting commitment to help others ignite their best life and become the best version of themselves. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey, her passion for random acts of kindness, and how you can rewire yourself to experience the very best of you in 2021. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Stephanie, can anyone develop a mindset of resilience and grit? Yes. Yes. I really
1: believe people can. I I know that there might be layers that have to be excavated before someone gets there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Being a trauma specialist, I've worked with people who literally felt like they could never get there because of the trauma they had been through. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: what is beautiful is, you know, we have something called neuroplasticity. Our brain can grow and our brain can heal and our hearts can heal so to me, that's the jewel in all of this, that even if it takes us time for that healing to happen, if we're mm. willing to do the work, we absolutely can get there. You know, And we've all faced so many challenges this last year in 2020 with the pandemic, with the political scene, and I know that that's not all over right now. So people, a lot of people have had to grow some grit and resilience just through their circumstances. And for those people who feel like, boy, I'm not quite there yet, I would say please open yourself up to the tools that are available. From me, from so many other people, there's so many offerings out there of people that have been able to grow resiliency and grit, people that have been able to cultivate it in their lives. And you just have to follow that model and you can too. And it really begins to me, one of the ways we really do that, no Mm -hmm. matter where you're at, you know, in your healing journey is to stop and start spending time in some kind of mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mindfulness or meditation, that's been one of my game changers in my life And with my clients, I have everyone start with just 10 minutes. People that are a client of mine and that have worked with me over the years know it's 10 minutes to begin with, and that's also one of the pieces that's going to help you start having that relationship with yourself because it's connecting to that inner spark, that essence that's inside each one of us, that our circumstances, our challenges, it can't touch that It's, it's, you know, this is, it's no longer an outside job. I got to go outside of me and fix something or do something. It's an inside job. I need to sit and be in connection with my heart, with my higher power, whatever that is for people and to just breathe and be. And it's so powerful that in that stillness, we can find our guidance. You know, it's like, I've got to get still enough to hear that inner voice that can really help us through these tough times. That would be one of the things that I really encourage people to do. If people feel like, oh, I've got too busy of a mind. My mind just goes, goes, goes. Well, that's very normal. In In my workshops, I talk about how our mind is just like a frolicking puppy. You know, that's what it's supposed to do. I I have this picture of this little yellow lab puppy who's running full throttle and his ears are flapping and his, Tongue is wagging, and I'm like, This is our brain, this is what our mind does. And so, it's not about beating the puppy, it's about teaching the puppy how to sit and stay. So, we don't have to beat ourselves up. The more we go into practice, the more we're going to learn how to quiet our mind. And I tell people, it's not about no thoughts, we don't have to be a monk in an ashram, it's about quieting our thoughts and going within. And if you need a guided meditation to start that, there are so many offerings on YouTube. And I have an offering on my website, which is stephaniejames.world. You can go on there and get a free download of my visualization. It's a guided meditation. It's only about eight minutes long. And it's one of those things where it helps you just quiet your mind, focus on something that's really positive, and bring that positive energy and spark within you out. So that's how I think we can start to gain that resiliency and grit.
0: Very, very interesting. Thank you. When is the right time for someone to reinvent themselves? I think the right time is now.
1: (laughs) I think (laughs) the right time is always in the present moment. Mm -hmm. That's something I find myself saying to clients all the time.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Our power is in the present moment. So I also, you know, I had a a really cool framed picture in my kitchen forever that said it's never too late to live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that. So it's deciding right now, I think, what it is, number one, what is it that I want to change? It's really important to identify what isn't working because if I know what's not working, then I can also start thinking of, okay, what do I want it to look like? What do I want my life to look like six months from now, a year from now? And when we start visualizing what it is we really want, we can start moving towards that. Even when it feels like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get from here to there, we don't have to know all those answers. We do have to get clear, though, about what it is that we want in our lives. Mm -hmm. There's something about that clarity and being able to focus on that that really does start moving us towards that. And that's what will allow us to start reinventing our life.
0: So true. Very true. How do giving and random acts of kindness ignite our best life?
1: Mm. That is such a great question. I think that there is so much joy in giving and giving when someone doesn't expect it. I know that just a few weeks ago I was going through the coffee line and the people ahead of me had paid for my coffee and they had just left $10 and said, Whoever is behind us, get them free coffee. And it was such a treat because that's something that I do for people. So to receive mm-hmm. that was just mm-hmm. Such a joy. So it can be the littlest acts. And I tell people right now when we're dealing with having to wear masks everywhere, and I've heard from so many people like people don't make eye contact in the store or when they're out walking. And I say, be that initiator, be that person that waves first, that says, Good morning, how are you? And you will bring, even if you can't see it, you can see it in people's eyes, you will bring a smile to their face and it also brings a smile to your heart.
2: Mm -hmm. It's it's
1: like this awesome gift that keeps giving. And Mm -hmm. so when we're giving to other people, it can be the smallest acts of kindness. You know, I, I had a guest on my show who is a psychologist here in town, Mark Ben, and he talked about a client of his who happens to be a millionaire so one of the way he does random acts of kindness is he drives around and gives homeless people. He has like a stack of $50 bills on his dashboard and, and mm-hmm. gives it to homeless people. And if they have a dog, he gives them two, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and, and so it's really in the capacity in which we can give that really, I think ignites something within us. It doesn't have to be monetary. It can sure. be the simplest of gestures But I do Mm -hmm. feel like it is something that, and and this was a lesson from my mother in, I remember in high school, you know, if I was feeling down, my mom was always like, well, what can you do for someone else? What's a way that you can contribute to somebody else's joy? Mm -hmm. And I remember for a while I went and I would read to a couple people, and this is in high school, um, at the local nursing home that were blind. Mm -hmm. And the the joy that I was able to share with them made me feel good too. Mm-hmm. So it's this beautiful, like I think of it like this infinity sign. It's like we give it out and it comes right back to us. It's this beautiful reciprocal joy that that really can be ignited when we start doing that. And And we can make it fun. I mean, a random act of kindness can be letting someone in line ahead of you. It can be giving mm-hmm. up your parking place and just parking down the street. Because I think those little drops of kindness are so important. Those are the little acts that ripple out. It's like the pebble in the pond, and it becomes this ripple effect that can help start to bring this lovely healing to those around us and and literally to the world.
0: Wonderful. That's beautiful. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading The Spot, Igniting Your Best Life?
1: I would like them, Johnny, to, to really have a sense, a deeper sense, number one, of relationship with themselves
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: a, and a true belief that, wow, I can, I can befriend myself, I can do these things suggested in the book and I can really improve my life and not only improve it, I can really start making my life what I've always wanted it to be. I don't just have to dream about the life that I want. I can literally create it. I can start doing that now today, in this moment. So that, that's my hope, that people truly feel empowered, that the, the point of power starts with them, and it starts in this moment. And we all have the ability to change and grow. And so, yeah, we can affect others in our immediate world and the rest of humanity.
0: So true, very true. Where can someone go to get more information about you, buy your book? attend your retreats, and keep up with your latest happenings?
1: They can go to my website, stephaniejames.world, to sign up for the meditation class that I provide or the new Igniting Your Best Life SPARK group. Both of, theirs are on, both of those are online formats. It's stephaniethespark.as.me and on my website, you can find all out, about all retreats, seminars, events, and uh, my book is available on Amazon. You can get it from my website or you can go straight to Amazon and start 2021 off with Igniting Your Best Life.
0: Awesome. So what's next for you? You mentioned you got a documentary coming out and so forth. So what's up next?
1: Well, the documentary is really the big release right now. Mm -hmm. Um, that that's really what we're working on. So we're looking at going into negotiations with Amazon prime and Netflix and Gaia to see what platform it will be released on. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the biggest we've been working on the trailer. It's almost done. And I have been co-authoring a book with Misa Hopkins Mm -hmm. and called women emerging. That's kind of our working title. That might not be final title. Um, So that's one book. I'm also working on my second book, just right now having little notes and ideas and getting ready to really dive into that and really amping up my transformational life coaching, continuing with these online formats. And with my partner, Morgan Oaks, and two of our dear friends, Solomon and Gabriella Masala, we are looking at putting on a retreat in June here in Colorado, and hopefully things will be opened mm-hmm. back up so we can all do that in person. And that is going to be around relationships and enhancing relationship with ourselves, with mm-hmm. our partners, with others. And, oh, my gosh, so excited about that. That's going to be an awesome offering. So that's what's ahead right now.
0: Fantastic. That sounds really wonderful. As we close the hour, since our show is about people, family and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning?
1: I would. So my I guess my ingredients <laughs> my <laughs> my recipe for for living um without putting it a cup of this and a cup of that, I think all of these would be essential <laughs> ingredients.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh but I would say, first and foremost, carve out time for you and start with that relationship of loving yourself. And that is one of our essential ingredients. Like that, if we're, if we're making a life cake, that would be the big packet. And then I would say one of the essential ingredients is really noticing what lights you up. Because when we focus on what lights us up, what brings us pleasure, what brings us passion, and we start putting that in our calendar, we start making sure that we're noticing it, you know, there's a principle in physics that what we focus on expands. And so we're going to see more of that in our life. More of that's going to show up. And so it's about connecting with ourselves. It's about connecting with other people. It's about tapping into creativity, to allow yourself to be in flow every day. Get yourself, whether it's through exercise you feel in flow, whether it's painting, maybe it's singing. Um, I'm always subject to having a song on the radio and I, you know, will start dancing in my kitchen (laughs) as I'm making a meal. Um, But just really, you know, we can add these ingredients and really have a joy-filled life. I really feel like Joy is our birthright. It's the essence of who we are. So I think all of these things are essential ingredients to truly live the best life and the most spark-filled life that's possible for
0: each one of us. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Stephanie, thank you for the good recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, January 26th. My guest will be Randy Watt. She is a retired language art educator, a professional writer and editor, a life harmony and holistic emotional intelligence coach, a motivational speaker and an entrepreneur. Recently recognized as an educator for the decade. Randy has also traveled over 40 countries and has won several awards for her writings. Randy and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey, her passion for educating the world, and her book, Because I Believe in Me My Egyptian Fantasy Came Through. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Stephanie, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day.
1: Thank you so much, Johnny. It's been such a delight.
0: Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.